gentlemen another great episode of the sing second podcast celebrating african-american history month and coming off of a great weekend of four star victories over army west point i am your host john scofield joining me as always is our producer and co-host class of 99 grad chris cervello um chris let's get right into it as we record this listeners and alumni should have received their issue of Shipmate magazine. Uh, I like to call it must read TV. Got it's it like, yesterday, John. Showed up yeah, in the mail. It's like, it's like Frank Costanza's TV guide. Like, <laughs> you do not mess with uh-huh. Frank Costanza's TV guide. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, you know, this is, you know, in, you know, in case you're, you're not tracking at home, um, you know, if you're celebrating your 88th or 89th birthday this year, you are officially older than Shipmate Magazine, and we salute you. But welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 87th year of Shipmate, the flagship publication for connection and outreach with our 69,000 living alumni. Uh, Shipmate will publish six times this year, as Chris just said. Uh, The January-February issue should have just hit your mailboxes this week. And if it didn't, um, and this goes right back to what we talked about in one of our previous uh, episodes If you did not get your shipmate, or if you are a listener in a dual um, active duty or dual grad household and you get two shipmates but just want to get one, um, just reach out to us. Email us at shipmate at usna.com. We will make sure that your up-to-date information is actually up-to-date. And if you only want to get one, you can get one. And most importantly... Uh, for the uninitiated out there, if you just want to get Shipmate electronically, you know, Chris Cervello, if you guys don't know, ladies and gentlemen, is a huge, like, old school guy. He needs, like, the paper tickets when we go to <laughs> Orioles games. Uh, he's, like, one of those guys from the progressive commercial who needs the uh, the paper boarding pass. That's right. That's right. But if you want to get your Shipmate electronically, a lot of people don't know, ladies and gentlemen, that Shipmate is available. If you go to usna.com and hit media, You'll see right there with Shipmate that the latest issue of Shipmate is available electronically, and we have an archive of all of the previous Shipmates. Um, So yeah, if you want to embrace the uh, 21st century and get Shipmate electronically, uh, please do that. Chris, I'll put you on the spot because I know that you comb through the articles before you go to your class notes for 99 and then go to the obits. But what were your uh, takeaways from the first issue of 2024? I take about a month to read it. Like I and I did flip to my class notes first. I, I tend to do that. I put it on the uh, coffee table, and then it tends to be something that I that I flip through. So it's not something that I'm like dive right into, but it is something that I find. I didn't know that I didn't know uh, the information that's in there. Um, I, I am looking on the website now. I, I didn't realize that it was available online. Um, I, you know, the the joking aside, I, I've tried to go almost all digital and how I read this stuff. So I'm, that's the way I'd like to to receive Shipmate and, and read Shipmate. And kudos to you guys for making it available online. 
So we will now take the action of opting you out of getting the paper copy, and you will save Do it. a whopping $16 a year, I think. But in all seriousness, you know, ladies and gentlemen, in the eight months that I've been here, this entire communications team has taken a real round turn. SWO reference, sick. Um, we've taken a real round turn in you know, being financial stewards, being good financial stewards uh, of the money that comes into the Alumni Association and Foundation. And part of that, you know, as you heard us talk about with this registry of alumni project is to just make sure that number one, your contact information is up to date and then make sure that you know that these electronic, um, that these electronic resources are available to you. You know, we, we talked about it a little bit last week, you know, my beloved, uh, you know, my favorite magazine in the world was always Sports Illustrated and and get your heads out of the, the gutter uh, listeners out there. It wasn't just for the swimsuit issue, but I religiously read Sports Illustrated. I loved the paper of it. I loved to flip to the back and read Rick Riley's column. It taught me how to read and write better, um, you know, just as a human being. And, and the print industry being what it is, as newspapers continue to shut down all over the place, uh, and Sports Illustrated, you know, on the cusp of shuttering its doors, we really just wanted to make sure that everyone knew how much it costs to print Shipmate. You know, the print industry now is extremely expensive, and the price of postage continues to go up. And lastly, a lot of things happened during COVID, ladies and gentlemen, and, and you know, not the worst of it, but a very meritorious briefing point here is that it used to be that, you know, if you had media mail, if you had magazines, like Chris gets like, you know, the Catholic Weekly, um, you know, to his house. If you move and you don't notify those people, um, those media mailers about your new address, they do not now forward. This came out of COVID and the Postal Service. They do not now just automatically forward magazines and things like that to your new address. They'll continue to arrive at your old address. So we truly do think that there are a lot of instances out there of shipmate arriving at defunct addresses and thus it wastes money. And that's money that we can use to better connect, communicate, support, and anchor ourselves to everything we're doing to help out the 69,000 living alumni of the Naval Academy. So in case you didn't see it in the big section up front, uh, the Shipmate publishing schedule this year, uh, you should have already gotten your Jan Feb here this week. The March-April issue will arrive in your mailboxes right around 29 March, maybe on April Fool's Day. And there will be, spoiler alert, there will be a change in the Shipmate magazine that arrives that day. It um, you'll have to read it to know it. Um, it's not an April Fool's joke, but it's definitely something that uh, will scratch the itch of all of those who go directly just to their class notes. Uh, the May June issue will uh, will arrive right around the thirty first of May. The July August issue will arrive around the second of August. September October will arrive around four October. And the last issue of 2024, the November-December issue, will arrive around 29 November. That is six issues of Shipmate, six amazing pieces of content for you to further understand who we are and what we do at the uh, Naval Academy Alumni Association and Foundation. 
Um, based on extensive research by me and the rest of the communication team, six issues is still a lot more than any other alumni association magazine out there. Many of them only put out four. Some of them only go to two now, including my alma mater at Villanova. Um, but we're going to stay at six and we'll continue to deliver impactful stories showcasing the alumni's amazing achievements in the fleet, the Marine Corps, their communities, and in the private sector. Woo! With that said about Shipmate, let's get right to our first interview. You want to talk about someone who has achieved in the fleet, well, in this particular case, the Marine Corps, the community, and in the private sector. Really excited to bring you as part of our African American History Month features, um, class of 1987 grad, Mary McElroy, former Navy basketball player, played basketball at the same time as some guy named David Robinson back, uh, you know, in the mid eighties, no big deal there. Um, and was the athletic director at Georgia state university and still a very active alumnus at the U S Naval Academy alumni association and foundation without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here's our interview with Mary McElroy. Mary, thank you so much for joining sing second. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. And uh, I thank you for inviting me to uh, spend some time with you today. So, Mary, let's start off at the very beginning. Uh, you and I were talking before we hit record about, you know, your beginnings. And I'd like you to kind of touch on those. Uh, you had a very interesting road to the Naval Academy, um, you know, particularly being a, a trailblazer in your own family. Um, yes. But then continuing to blaze trails, you know, while um, on the yard. If you can kind of catch us up to you know, how you arrived at the Naval Academy and then how the Naval Academy shaped you for post-graduation. Sure. Um, I came to the Naval Academy from a small town, Lexington Park in Southern Maryland, where Pax River Naval Air Station is. Um, I went to Great Mills High School and uh, didn't decide till my senior year that I wanted to go to the Naval Academy. And I decided to, to attempt to apply when I saw a newspaper article about Service Academy, um, people who had been selected to attend service academies, read the article and said, I play three sports, I have good grades. Um, and I saw that they get a car when they graduate. And I said, Woo. and my family couldn't afford to send me to college either, by the way. Um, and I said, well, this sounds like a great option for me. And I, so I looked into it and uh, decided that I wanted to apply. Um, but because it was my senior year, um, I was late in the process. As we all know, you got to you got to apply to the Naval Academy far before your senior year. But four guys in my high school graduating class had already um, locked up all the nominations. And so um, our class valedictorian, uh, Brian Brown, Jesse Wilson, Lindsay L. Harris, and Jeff Dubinock. Um, and I outranked everybody but Brian, who was the valedictorian. But they beat me to the noms, so they got to come in the class of 86. Um, I chose NAPS. Um, I was told that I could go to regular college and reapply or I could go to NAPS and, and get in. So I decided to take, take the short thing and went to NAPS. And, uh, but, uh, and Jeff, or rather Jim Butler enlisted and then went to NAPS and then came in the class of 88. But, uh, but I was actually the first person in my whole clan, not my immediate family, my whole clan to go to college. So that was in part why it took me so long to decide what college I wanted to go to. I had a big stack about maybe, I don't know, two feet, three feet tall of colleges that were pursuing me because uh, I was ranked third in my class at the time. 
but I didn't have any familiarization with this process and it was pr pretty daunting. And I knew we didn't have the money to send in all those application fees. And I didn't know that I could get them waived based on our family situation. But anyway, that's how I came to come to the Naval Academy. Once I came uh, from NAPS, um, I walked on to the basketball team. I was not a recruit. I, I got in on my grades, um, but a lot of people often thought that because I played basketball, I was a recruit and that's how I got to the Naval Academy, but it wasn't. Um, but I had a good experience um, and played basketball for two years, was the uh, sixth man. I earned my letter second year. Um, I was a tenacious defender, um, but I also, you know, poured myself into the Naval Academy and the experience that I got there. I really drank the Kool-Aid and and really bought into everything, all the leadership lessons that I was that were imparted, um, and I really enjoyed my experience, as tough as it was, because I always kept in mind the big picture, and that is what this crucible um, of training was preparing me for. And that is that it was preparing me to lead in sometimes difficult circumstances. And that has served me well because I've chosen to go into very male dominated fields as I've pursued my profession. Um, I chose Marine Corps when I graduated. I happened to meet my husband uh, while I was at the Naval Academy. He was in class of 86. He chose Marines so he could fly. I chose Marines so it would help us to be stationed together. Smart um, man. <laughs> yeah, but I was since I was one of eight kids, I grew up in a very disciplined household. I was third oldest of those eight, and and uh, I thought the Marine Corps would suit me just fine. And I love their uniforms, of course, and and certainly the discipline in the Marine Corps. So uh, so that's a little bit about me and and some of the things that I learned from the Naval Academy and and uh, took with me from the Naval Academy. So that must have been a very interesting time, you know, as you are, you know, playing sixth man for the women's team, there's, you know, just a short guy wearing number 50 on the men's team, you know, taking them uh, to new heights. How exciting was it to be a student athlete in that culture at that time? Because I remember it, you know, this was not the 14 years in a row of winning the Army Navy game like we did in the Keenan Reynolds years and and in the um, you know the lead up to the to the Keenan years. You know, that's when basketball was the sport here. Um, you know, what what was that dynamic like for you? Oh, it was fantastic. Um, I I know David knew him when we were at the academy. Uh, he was in 14th company. I was in uh, 18th company as a plebe and then scrambled to 15. Um, and David was in 14. Um, so we saw each other often. In fact, um, I remember being uh, being on watch. Uh, I think I was battalion um, officer of the day or midshipman officer of the day. And I, you know, was making my rounds. And I'm like, I, they had a game that night. And I went over briefly uh, to uh, Halsey Fieldhouse. And I just happened to walk in uh, when he hit the shot from half court to uh, – to win the the, uh, the the game that took us to that that historic NCAA run. It was so exciting, so electric in there. And then, um, as I said, I know him. We were friends at the Academy when we were there. And uh, Sports Illustrated did an article on him, and he invited me to come and uh, be part of that. And so my picture's in Sports Illustrated with David uh, on the steps of Chauvinet and Michelson. And so that's, that's pretty awesome. Pretty, pretty wild 
And uh, we've stayed in touch all these years. And anytime I need anything from him, he's always willing to do it. Um, I was working at Georgia Tech in 2004 when our men's basketball team made it to the final four. And, um, and I called, got in contact with David and asked if we could bring our team over to the Carver Elementary School to take a tour and to meet him. And he very graciously accepted and hosted a quick meeting with the uh, Georgia Tech men's basketball team. And they were so honored to meet the great David Robinson and to tour his school. Unbelievable. Um, well, you mentioned, you know, athletics played a central role in your high school career. You were a three-sport athlete. You know, you walk on to the Naval Academy basketball team, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, and then you come back after your Marine career and you serve a shore duty here before going in to a series um, of very important and impactful jobs in the athletics world. And, and you know, the son of an athlete myself, um, I, I know how central athletics is to success. But as an administrator, as a difference maker from Georgia Tech to Georgia State as the director of athletics to working for the NCAA, while also working in a little teaching job at Temple University in the meantime. Shout out to Colin Schofield and the rest of his uh, Temple University owls. You know, how, how has sports continued to inform your success in life? Because for me, it, it, it's an entire like allegory to it that, you know, every single failure and success that I reached, you know, professionally in the Navy and now, you know, representing the Alumni Association, I draw back on athletics. How has it informed you? It absolutely um, has undergirded my experience because, I mean, it, it helps you to recover from defeat or, or disappointment. Um, just as in sports, when you lose a game, you got to forget about that one and go on to the next. Uh, there have been challenges in my professional career. Um, it, yes, I have had many stops and I've had to uh, reinvent myself a couple times and having a background in sports has allowed me to do that. Never thought I'd have a career in sports. I kind of fell into it. My husband was um, stationed at the Naval Academy as I was coming off active duty. And uh, Dave Smalley, who I played for, happened to be working in um, over in the athletic department and was in charge of the admissions for all the student athletes and especially student athletes of color. And um, he invited me to apply for a job on his staff. And so I did and I got the job. And while there, um, I, I created the daily compliance item, which I used. I was in charge of compliance and CAA compliance. And I created the daily compliance item, which I used to educate the staff for their recruiting tests that they had to take every year. And, um, and I'm happy to say um, an assistant that I had hired on Georgia Tech that I worked with down there um, has patented, I should have patented the daily compliance item. I did not, but she did. And so the daily compliance item is still in practice to teach people about the NCAA um, rules. Um, so just everywhere I've gone, I've tried to think big picture wise, strategically um, about how I can make the athletic department or the job that I'm on uh, at the time better. And so I've always taken a strategic big picture approach um, to every job that I've had. And, and even at Georgia State, starting a football team from scratch, doing a strategic plan there um, at the ACC in charge of women's basketball during COVID, coming up with the scheduling um, model that kept us playing games. And I even created an, an officials consortium that we used 
to um, get the test COVID testing for all the officials that we shared with various leagues up and down the East Coast, Eastern Seaboard, um, instead of us having those officials take multiple COVID tests for each of the, the conferences, we got them to agree to share their test results with all of us. And that way we could very more easily um, move them around uh, from league to league. I mean, you, they might be refereeing games in four different leagues in a week and, um, and they would have been getting, getting COVID tested almost every day to be able to comply with that. So, so I've just been able to just try to, again, just keep a big picture perspective. Um, and then I've, I've been blessed to have good people that I've worked with and who have worked for me. And I've always tried to lead from the front in that regard and, and keep the, and then also to develop the people so that um, they could work very effectively in their areas and then lead those areas when it came time for them to get into a leadership position. So Mary, I want to shift gears before I let you go. And, and this is the real, you know, the, the real string that I want to pull here. You know, it, it, we are, we are in, as we record this, um, as this pod comes out in African-American history month. And, you know, we, we highlight both, you know, not only the Naval Academy Minority Association, you know, and, and the incredible work, you know, that Admiral Caesar and Admiral Curtis um, and the Alumni Association here does to to highlight that. But we continue to see, you know, firsts, you know, that quite frankly, between you and me, I, I, I'm really happy that we're only, you know, that we're going to not see them anymore. You know, Madeline Swegel, you know, graduating from here and becoming the first African-American female TAC air pilot. Uh, Sydney Barber is the first female African-American um, brigade commander, you know, Rhodes Scholars the last couple of years, uh, women of color making a difference. How, how do you how do you estimate, how do you grade, so to speak, you know, the, the evolution from a very difficult time that you had here as a woman of color in the in the early to mid 80s to where we are today and how much more progress, you know, is needed? Um. I would also like to shout out Timmy and Elise Lindsay, the first mother-daughter right. African-American graduates. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's challenging, quite frankly. And, um, you know, it's, it really is exhausting having to constantly validate your capabilities with people who, for whatever reason, question them. Um, you know, when I attack a a job. I don't take it, attack it as an African American woman. I attack it as a person. I attack it as an intellectual. I attack it as a leader. I attack it as a as an employee. Um, I just happen to be an African American woman. That's something I can't take off. When I walk in the door, that's the first thing you see. But I always endeavored in every job that I had to work so that people saw my work and not my skin color and my gender and judge me on those. And, and I was always conscious and I remain conscious of my responsibility to be a leader and, and a trailblazer. But I, I must acknowledge that it is exhausting to have to constantly validate yourself. When I was athletic director at Georgia State, people would often say, so you're the athletic director of the women's program? And I said, no, I'm the athletic director of the whole program. And, um, you know, and, and people just want to question your credibility um, when you get a job, a high level job. And, and I just want I'm, I'm happy to see the first female soup at the Naval Academy. I, I know 
uh, Madeline Swiggle I, and her father, Carrie. We went to NAPS and the Naval Academy together, and I've met Sydney Barber, um, all very impressive ladies. I haven't met Elise, but I have met Timmy Lindsay. Um, and so, you know, we tend to know each other because it is such, a, it's a somewhat of small community, but at the same time, we're ex excited that it's growing. Um, but it, I do look forward to the day um, and, and often people misquote um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. when he said he wants, he looks forward to the day when his kids will be judged by the content of their character instead of the color of their skin. He's not saying discount the color of their skin and, and to not take it into consideration. Um, and and I, I, I marvel in a negative way at how our country has moved to exclude race as a consideration in admissions when we had 400 years when we weren't given these opportunities. So exactly. we're at a disadvantage just because of the color of our skin. So just considering race as a consideration is not something that discounts white people's achievements. It just gives a black person consideration so that their skills and abilities can at least be evaluated. Uh, and most times on an equal playing field. We're not given a leg up. We're just given a hand up to be given an opportunity to be considered. Amen to that. Um, last question for you, Mary, and this has been such a wonderful conversation, but considering all of that, considering the hardships, considering the, the growth and the progress, uh, but, but the growth and the progress that still needs to happen, if you had you know, two to three minutes with, you know, a young African-American female high school student and, and you had to sell the Naval Academy to them, you know, what what do you sell? What, what's so special about this place? Why should people continue to consider, you know, the Naval Academy as, as their entryway to the highest levels of command citizenship and government? I like to think of the Naval Academy as the best leadership laboratory in the world. And uh, I I feel very blessed and fortunate to have attended. And I, the lessons, as I said, that I learned there, I continue to take with me every day. And, and I do talk to young women and young men all the time, um, African-American, white, whatever. And, um, and I'm very proud of my Naval Academy heritage, wear my class ring every day. And, um, and I, I try to walk in a way that, you know, like the Midshipman Prayer uh, says, that I can stand unashamed and unafraid before my shipmates, my loved ones, and God, um, because it is such a transformative institution. And it really does. It breaks you down, way down, but then it builds you back up um, in a way that empowers you to do anything you want to do in life. And I really feel that. Well, I, I have been built up by this conversation. I, I appreciate your time so much. Thank you for being our alumni segment this week. And we look forward to having you on uh, many more times in the future to get your perspective, you know, phenomenal uh, perspective on leadership and life. And, and that's what this podcast is all about. Mary McElroy from the great class of 87. Thank you for, for coming on the pod today. Thank you, John. Go Navy. Beat Army, Army always. Always. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen. That was Mary McElroy. We're going to go to break. When Chris and I come back, we'll have the alumni business segment. Stick with us. This is Sing Second. The Sing Second podcast is sponsored by Scott Shooter and the Shrek Realtor and Crew team. 
Scott Schroeder is truly committed to making your real estate transaction an enjoyable, stress-free process. His work ethic, honesty, and pride in his job were instilled at an early age and were reinforced through his education at the U.S. Naval Academy and his service in the military in the E2D platform. Those traits provide him with the tools to provide you with the professional expert service that you desire and deserve. Those traits are the foundation of his service to you and your agent. It is not just lift service, it is a way of life. You can start your home search by visiting Scott Shooter's listings and property search page. Please visit scottshooter.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-S-C-H-U-E-T-T-E-R.com. Scott Shooter, the Shrek Realtor and Crew, a proud sponsor of the Sing Second Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on Sing Second, a really celebratory and awesome version of this podcast and that we're sitting here right off of the parade field in one of the pretty red brick houses. The red brick house that belongs to the new public affairs officer of the Naval Academy, that is Commander Ashley Hakako, but joining us today is her better half, former Navy gymnast, class of 2000 alum, Captain Ken Hakako. Ken, number one. Thanks for making our podcast a little bit more expeditionary. We usually do this on Zoom, but now we're doing it out on your porch, having a beer, celebrating a Navy gymnastics star win. Um, if you can, number one, thanks for joining the podcast, and just kind of introduce the uh, you know the alumni and the pod listeners to who you are. Yeah, good afternoon. Happy to have you. Um, I do have <laughs> to correct. You <laughs> well, I do have to correct you on calling me the better half because mm. this is going to air and she will listen. So. <laughs> Um, uh, so obviously Ashley's the better half. Um, great to have you. It's a, uh, you know, beautiful day looking out at the Severn. Um, great to be back at the Naval Academy. I, I will say that it's better the second time around. Um, uh, but it was still great the first time and the first the- time around you were a gymnast and we'll get to that in a minute, but yeah. when you got commissioned, you went into the aviation community, you and Ashley are both pointy nosed F-18 types, Ashley in the back seat, you in the front seat. And to kind of abridge the the bio version of this, you have, you know, ascended to the highest levels of command citizenship and government, at, you know, as the mission statement says, uh, having command of a squadron and now as an 06 working in the Pentagon, you know, how has that evolution, you know, happened for you? Did you see yourself wearing 06 when you graduated from here? And how much have you relied upon the lessons that you learned, you know, within the walls, you know, of the Naval Academy? Yeah, I mean, when I ask, get asked that question, I often answer with the reasons I went to the Naval Academy and the reasons I stayed in the Navy are not one and the same. They're similarly yeah. themed in that I think we all come to this organization to uh, to serve. Um, uh, I did not think I would be in the Navy past uh, a certain commitment, and uh, I joke to, to people that I've been getting out of the Navy for the past 14 years unsuccessfully. Um, uh, but uh, it's been a wonderful 14 years um, uh, since that first decision point. I'm glad that I made the decision to stay in past 10 and uh, to come to this point in the career. Um, it's been uh, an incredible uh, journey. If you would have told me when I was 18 years old that my life would have been what it is or what it has been for the past 20 years, I wouldn't have believed you, nor would I have been able to pay you enough money to, uh, to have uh, the experiences that we've had. So. 
Um, also didn't think I was going to marry a Naval Academy graduate, um, uh, and, and, here, and here we are, so working out uh, pretty well, for sure. Three kids, uh, gorgeous family, you've traveled the world. I want to pull the string on that really quick, you know, and I know that she's probably, you know, the much better half, but Indeed. how hard has it been? Because so many alums are dual service um, families, you know, and, you know, in this particular case, you have traveled the world together. But in a lot of other cases, traveled the world separately and, and spent a lot of time apart. What advice do you have for alums who are maybe just getting off on that journey? How have you made it this far and made it successfully? Yeah, I mean, it is definitely has its challenges. Um, I, I, you know, whether or not I you know, should have been surprised, I guess, is uh, maybe not the right answer. But the Navy has been incredibly um, uh, accommodating in helping us uh, through that journey, um, and Navy friends like yourselves, uh, like yourself, uh, helping us as well. Um, you know, there's certainly a lot of time apart. I mean, I remember a year where I was underway on the Eisenhower, and she was in Cuba uh, on a GSA, and the only way we could uh, talk to each other for the better part of a year was via classified chat. Um, uh, that sounds so, romantic. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it's hot. Well, it was classified, so you can say whatever you want. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it was the first ever WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, no, there's been some geo batches in there. Obviously, a lot of deployments, and uh, you know, uh, actually, right before we got married, uh, our chaplain said you got to remember to keep the first thing first, which is uh, your relationship. Even when you have kids, and we didn't, you know, qu quite comprehend that one at the time. But three kids later, um, you know, there are there are times where we where we're managing, and yeah. uh, you know, we feel like business partners sometimes. But uh, whenever you get that feeling, you just got to remind yourself that uh, you're doing all this for a different reason that you set yeah. out uh, at the beginning with. Well, um, the strength of the network also helps you in that. Here we are. We're joined out here on your porch by. You know, two of your class of 2000 um, teammates, your classmates, you know, your shipmates, their spouses, you know, the, the strength of the Alumni Association or the strength of the Naval Academy really for me are, are those bonds that are that are built and maintained. You know, at, at Villanova University, I, I talked to a couple of my uh, classmates and friends, but it's never ever looked as, as strong or been as strong as what I observe here. You know, not to embarrass you in front of your your teammates and classmates here, but what has that bond meant to you? Uh, it means the world, and it and it you revisit it uh, throughout your career. So, um, you know, whether it's the Navy or the Naval Academy, uh, you obviously create those bonds throughout the course of your career, and they're eternal. Uh, coming back to the Naval Academy in different uh, periods just regalvanizes that, and being back here now uh, for sure is increasing my bond with the Naval Academy. I'm trying to lean in um, more to participate, um, and you're certainly helping facilitate that, and I appreciate it. Um, and then the Navy in general. I mean, that, um, you know, that, it's family. Um, even if you went to Villanova, you're still family. It's cool. Right, that's right. Uh, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, and I'm, you know, we lean on each other throughout our careers and, uh, you know, at different points I've, you know, I've got friends that served five years, 10 years, you know, 20, and then some that are, you know, going to continue on. And regardless of what the decisions that any of us makes, uh, throughout our lives, um, 
you know, we have high confidence that collectively uh, we'll be successful um, and we lean on that. And uh, it certainly is, uh, it's comforting and, uh, and, and, you know, has uh, plenty of opportunity to bolster uh, our futures individually and together. Sounded very CBS News right there. I'm not, well, I, I won't make fun of you for it now, but you know, with your teammates here, your your origins, you know, were on the fields of friendly strife, being a gymnast here, surviving the years of show, um, you know, there in the third deck of McDonough. Um, we just came from a great event. You know, we're, we're three for three as of right now. Hopefully women's track and field can make it four for four on stars. Rifle won this morning, men's track and field this morning. And now we were all there, great crowd watching Navy Gymnastics sing second um, against Army. You know, break down the meet really quick, but then really break down how athletics, what you learned here as an athlete, not just, you know, not just the mission statement and everything else that you have to read in, in reef points, but break down how athletics continues to guide you as an 06 in the Navy, like doing hard things in the Pentagon every day. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the uh, show era. Um, uh, so for, for the for the audience, uh, the coach at the time, uh, very uh, hardcore, uh, traditional, um, insular uh, gentleman who uh, was equally painful and uh, fantastic at the same time. Uh, I think you know taught us a lot of things, which was part of the experience as uh, as being a mid the opening a beer. Yeah, um, so. You know, interesting that for gymnastics, I think, and I've actually talked to Ashley, my wife, uh, who ran track about this. Uh, you know, there are sports that require a lot of that are individual and team simultaneously, um, and uh, that has uh, impacted me throughout my career because, you know. Here we get ready for this. Yep, on the comes. strength of one link in the cable, dependeth the might of the chain. Uh, oh, cool. you're, you're welcome for that. So, oh. so you have to be that link. Tears are falling. Yeah, I know. Um, so you you have to be that link. And you know, if you're in an airplane and you know you're flying by yourself, then obviously you got to take care of what you got to take care of for you. But um, you're always going to have a bigger team, whether it's the maintenance, you know, department, the sailors, the ship, uh, the air wing. Um, there's, you're always part of a team. So. Um, in some odd way that translates to me from that athletic experience. Um, and I think it did for Ashley as well, uh, for the, uh, the meet itself. Uh, first observation is, uh, the talent level of the midshipmen far exceeds that of what, uh, we had uh, in our day. Yeah. Um, and that's me being humble as a fighter pilot. So, uh, that's also, hard. yeah, it was, I know, right? that took a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna take another sip of my beer to choke that one down. Uh, Humility is yeah. not something that comes very easily to the fighter pilot community, ladies and, and gentlemen. No, and and the thing and the, but what was great is uh, the participation. Like um, yeah. you know, we we had friends, family, parents, that kind of thing. Uh, and part of this was again because our coach was very uh, specific about who would even be able to attend our meets and and uh, cheer us on. But to see you know upwards of maybe three, four hundred people there um, oh. watching the uh, watching the meet. Um, or more was was awesome, and the energy that the gymnasts had, the music in the background, um, uh, it was uh, it, it was, um, and the alumni especially, um, you know, there's we're, we're from uh, the uh, descendants of a retired four star uh, who was yep. a gymnast there to 
um, folks who graduated last year. Um, was all great to see, yeah. and uh, and a lot of people thinking it's awesome and cheering it on. Yeah. Which brings me back to my question: Is why is flipping cool when you're wearing like board shorts or mm. like a snowboard, and it was not as cool no. um, uh, for uh, the observers of the, of the gymnasts in uh, in my time frame. These these are the existential questions yeah, that I we mean, have to ask. I mean, um, it's 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 cloth, right? I mean, there's there's, you can make a leotard and board shorts out of the same thing, right? So, <laughs> just for all you listeners, just imagine me in board shorts, and then I and it's, I'd be much cooler. So it's gonna be yeah. the uh, the name of my fantasy football <laughs> team next year. Um, I, we might have an up to the second update as you know Navy women's track and field alum Ashley Hakako has returned to her own porch. Did Navy women's track and field win it, it is still, the star? It is still ongoing. Uh, They're still about ongoing. to start the three thousand, then they have the relays left. But it's very very close. Uh, I think Navy's ahead by ten. All right. But every event is uh, neck and neck within hundreds of a second. Uh, so it's. Okay, that, thanks. Uh, don't bogart the uh, the interview here. This is about your husband, not about. Oh my God! I mean, there's like two public affairs officers. I might as well leave. Oh God! All right. Well, so what was your best event when you were here? Um, uh, so I was more of a <laughs> an, an all arounder. Um, now my friends are making, they're saying the ribbon. Yeah, uh, the, the ribbon floor routine. We didn't do that, yeah, you know. Thanks a lot, Will Ferrell. Like, <laughs> um, no, uh, so I think I prided myself, uh, unlike my two colleagues here who were incredibly talented at, at specific events. Um, I did them all, uh, all the six uh, events and tried to be uh, consistent um, uh, with the exception of one time that my friend uh, just reminded me of uh, earlier today, which is I lost the Army Navy meet uh, on oh. the last event uh, one year. So, but again, team sport. But what was your overall record in four years against Army? We were two and two. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Was your end black? Or uh, no, I was. Um, you were a go getter. You were a hot runner. Well, yeah. So interestingly, I guarantee you, Ashley was much. Well, she is much more of a rule follower mm. uh, throughout life, but specifically then than I am. She uh, got fried, uh, wow. and I broke a lot of rules, but crisp, like clean, clean yeah. as a whistle all the oh, way through. Yeah. See, yeah. That, that's why you have ascended to the rank you are now. Well, yeah. We, we are almost out of time, but I do want to get <laughs> God. to the relevance, <laughs> the relevance of what you're doing now, um, which is in addition to balancing all of this, in addition to balancing, you know, having command as an aviator and now moving back here, you know, it's still a dual service, dual active duty service couple. You are now, you know, working in the direct employee for a flag officer in the Pentagon, in the E-Ring, during very, very interesting times. You know, conflict in Ukraine. Um, just this morning, launching retaliatory attacks um, after three service members were killed. You know, for you, you know, as we enter into a very unique time of, of down recruiting numbers what what is the you know what does the current global environment tell you about the importance of putting on the uniform and making that hour and a half drive every day and slogging it through the pentagon you know because i'm not trying to make this kind of you know a a tear-jerking moment but it, it reminds you about why you're doing what you're doing right 
It does. And I think, you know, the press likes to report what the press likes to report. And certainly we are in very precarious times in the international security environment, which is all the more reason we need people uh, who are serious about service and serious about preserving the future of our country for ourselves and our children, and our children's children uh, to join. Um, you know, I think we get really creative on um, or we, we try to get creative on finding connecting with generations and uh, making military service exciting. And to me, it's really simple. All you would have to do is take a, a camera out to any place in the, uh, in the globe and just show what we do on a daily basis. And, um, and you'd get people excited about doing it. I mean, for me too, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, I was 18 years old, you know, from Columbia, Maryland. And yeah. I, I hung out, you know, the farther side, Really, I mean, I traveled a little bit, but you know, like Baltimore, right? Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> then I joined the Navy, and um, you know, I've been to uh, South Africa, every country in Europe, all across the Middle East, Asia. Um, I've dropped live bombs on a practice training range in Norway. Uh, explosions in the snow are really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, um, which all that stuff is interesting and great, um, but then. Um, you know, meeting and leading and being with the sailors, um, you know, who definitely represent uh, the full scope of what American youth has to offer is the coolest thing in the world. And uh, to watch people's lives change through the service, whether it's, you know, you serve two years, four years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years. Um, I've never met anybody who says, who has served in any capacity and regrets having served um, in the military. It is, it can certainly propel you in a security career. And uh, if you choose to do something after service um, in the civilian or government world, um, it's the best foundation that you can get, so. Well, amen to that. If you had to only, last question, if you had you know, just 30 seconds with a high school senior, a high school junior, someone considering you know, possibly coming to the small engineering school on the banks of the Severn River, what would you say? How would you personalize what's special about the Naval Academy uh, to someone who's considering that sort of jump into their future? Well, first and foremost, I'd say that's where you can find your wife um, you because go. mine oh. is sitting next to me. Um, so if just, I missed out on that one, uh, he's going to no. sell you guys a used uh, no. right after this, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously. Uh, no, I think, you know, when you're 18 years old or 17 years old and you're trying to decide what, you know, you're going to do for the next four years, four years seems like an eternity. Uh, certainly five years of service seems like an eternity. And, um, you know, there are a lot of options uh, to be in the civilian world. There's a lot of option, options to be in the, uh, um, in the service, uh, as you well know, as a Villanova grad. And uh, ultimately, whatever path takes you into the Navy, uh, it's going to be what you do there that determines the path uh, thereafter. Um, but the Naval Academy uh, specifically, I do think, um, as you mentioned before, there are bonds built there, as evidenced by my friends who are sitting on my porch laughing at me right now, um, that last a lifetime. Um, I think it is a, uh, it's a, test of yourself um, and if you are able to learn yourself through those four years learn what how you integrate with others and um, and think about life holistically and what that advantage uh, gives to you um, then uh, that's 
those are the things that I've gotten out of uh, having gone to the Naval Academy and um, and it uh, is reiterated uh, in, in conversation, well, in experience for myself and in conversations with some of my friends, um, you know, that, that chose other paths. They're doing great things too, but um, in some capacity or another, everybody uh, thinks that um, what uh, I've had the opportunity to do is, is pretty cool relative, uh, you know, to what they're doing. So um, it's great. What you've done has been extremely cool. You've served your nation. You're a great dad, a great naval officer a great husband, and a great host out here on your porch. We might just make this the pod dynamic going forward. We'll have to see what the public affairs officer approves. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, so happy to be joined by a great alumnus, someone who we're proud to have on the podcast. This is why we do these interviews, so that we could talk to great alumni like Ken Hakuko and his lovely wife, Ashley. Um, this has been a great, great conversation. We're going to go to break. When Chris Cervello and I come back, we're going to bring it out. This is Sing Second. The Sing Second podcast is brought to you by Stratascore Technologies. Stratascore Technologies is a leading small business provider of information technology services to America's warfighters. Headquartered in Virginia Beach, Virginia, their 230 plus employees have been delivering premier quality services in software and network engineering, enterprise architecture, afloat installation and maintenance, IT operations management and cybersecurity to the U.S. Navy and Marine Corps since 2015. Team Stratus has a global footprint with staff located all over the United States and 11 destinations around the world, including Singapore, Japan, Guam, Korea, Greece, and Germany. Stratus Core Technologies is the provider of choice when the nation's most difficult technological problems need the most enterprising solutions. The Sing Second Podcast is very proud to have Stratascore Technologies as one of our premier sponsors. Please check out Stratascore Technologies online for your information technology services solutions. All right, peeps, we are back. Great interviews with Mary McElroy. Fun, fun conversation uh, with Ken Hakako. I really think that we need to do every single one of our uh, interview segments from someone's porch uh, overlooking Porter Field. Um, or, uh, you know, on Upshur Road in some capacity. It was fun to be out there. Um, you know, as Chris Cervello knows, one of the least popular things I ever did as the PAO here was turn down the house on the yard. Uh, we had already had a house that was like walking distance to my kids' elementary school. So when I checked in here, they said, hey, you're going to be on Upshur. Here's the number. And I was like, nope, not living there. And they thought I was crazy. And spending some time in Ken's house, Ken and Ashley's house, uh, over the weekend reminded me about how badass those houses are, quite the thing. Um, as we were talking to Ken, Chris, about um, you know Navy gymnastics, huge win, that was only one quarter of the awesomeness that took place this weekend. Rifle one, track and field one, both the men and the women thus making us four for four in stars. And we used to talk a huge amount about this on the Sing Second Sports podcast, Chris, but, you know, it just makes you feel good as an alum when you beat Army, right? Like, it isn't just about, you know, that second Saturday in December um, when we play them in football. Beating Army for the star and getting that little addition to your letter sweater is huge. So, you know, from your perspective, how big was this weekend? Because being five, six, and one before the weekend, if we didn't do what we did, as Bill Wagner's great story in the Capitol Gazette pointed out, 
we were going to have a hard time actually winning the entire series this year, which has only happened a few times. Yeah, I feel a lot better after this weekend. Kudos to uh, the mids that stepped up in their respective sports and uh, brought those stars home. Um, I mean, I thought Wags did a good job of kind of capturing all of the emotion. I mean, certainly uh, a big win for the individual athletes, but as alums and I would say the entire Naval Academy community, whenever you can get four wins in a weekend, uh, it's pretty special. Yeah, special indeed. And, you know, there's no rest for the weary here. Um, men's and women's basketball, they have a chance to come right back at it. Uh, this weekend, February 10th, the women take on uh, Army for the Star at 11 a.m. Um, up there in scenic Highland Falls. And then men's basketball takes on um, Army at around 1.30 p.m. or, you know, whenever the women's game ends and they have enough time to warm up. Um, so another chance for two more stars this weekend, tune in and watch Navy men's and women's basketball on February 10th. And this gives me another opportunity to shout out to one of our favorite people, friend of the pod, frequent guest, new mom, Ashley Pelzik. I, yeah. I guess we have to call her Ashley Ferguson now. That just doesn't <laughs> feel right. Um, I still don't acknowledge that marriage, but <laughs> all joking aside, uh, Ashley, Adrian Mazur, and the rest of the Naval Academy women's basketball alumni were here this weekend for their alumni game. Um, I, I was able to go in for uh, you know for the current team shoot around that a lot of the alumni went to see. I didn't, I didn't get to catch their game, but something tells me that Ashley Pelzik went right from maternity leave to putting up a double double. Um, as she always does. Uh, wrestling takes on Army for the Star. The next time you get to see a star match in Annapolis is Friday, February 16th at 7.30 p.m., Friday Night Lights, wrestling against Army here in Annapolis. And then we still have men's and women's tennis, men's and women's outdoor track and field, men's and women's lacrosse, and then baseball. Baseball will be the very last uh, star match of the year April 26th through the 28th up there in West Point. But hopefully, ladies and gentlemen, we have the star wrapped up by then. John, John oh, what's the, ahead. sorry, what's the magic number? Uh, help me out here. It's, uh, I mean, like I'm kind of using Ryder Cup uh, math here. Like what, what gets us to start? We're at nine, right? If yeah, we're nine, correct? six, and one. So really with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, we have 10 left. Right. So we can go four and sit. No, no, no. We can go. Yeah, we can go four and six and still win the star. If we go right. four and six in these last 10, that means the series ends 13 to 12 with one tie. That one tie, of course, was men's soccer. Um, I personally think, Chris, I don't know how you feel about it because you're such a huge socceroo. Shout out <laughs> to uh, Ava Cervello out there. I don't know why they don't. You know, and maybe Karen Gabera and Tim O'Donohue can come on and talk about this. I'm sure it doesn't take much of a negotiation with the Patriot League to be like, hey, I know that games end in ties and Patriot League competition, but for the star, can we go to a shootout? Can we go to, you know, PKs? Like, I, I think that just makes sense, right? Well, this is one of those moments that I'm so glad we don't have a sports podcast anymore because the hate texts and emails that we would get from Scott Strassmeyer and the folks at Ricketts Hall for even mentioning such an out-of-the-box thought 
<laughs> I'm much I'm much happier that this is an alumni podcast. Yes, I mean it would be great. It's a no brainer. I'm sure there's a thousand reasons why uh, Rick at Hall would say that that's a dumb idea. But uh, since this is our podcast, I will say yes, it is a great idea. Yes, it is. Um, I agree. Um, as we go out, a couple of other things on the horizon, ladies and gentlemen. If you are, um, you know, a young junior officer out there getting out of the Navy uh, this week. February 8th and 9th is our Service Academy Career Conference in Atlanta, Hotlanta, Georgia, uh, 8th through 9th February. If you're going to be down there, uh, go find Mike Lowe, um, our Director of Alumni Career Services and Support Services. He will take care of you. If you're a Navy Week fan, 12 through 18 February down there in Chris Cervello land, uh, the U.S. Navy Daytona Beach Navy Week takes place there. And then one last thing on the horizon that I want to make sure everyone knows about, Brigade Boxing Finals, which we used to love. You want to see Bill Wagner in a tuxedo, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, me neither. But <laughs> February 23rd, the Brigade Boxing Finals in Alumni Hall, always a fan favorite. Chris, what a great uh, pod. I want to thank Mary McElroy, Ken Hakako, and his lovely wife, Ashley, for hosting me at their house. Our sponsors, Scott Sloan and Stratus Core Technologies, Scott Melamed and ProMD Health, Scott Shooter. It's so strange that our three sponsors are all named Scott. I didn't realize <laughs> that until just now, but Scott Shooter and the Shrek Realty Crew. And thank you to all of the listeners um, for doing what you do, which is give us your ears so that we can give you the gouge. Uh, lastly, many thanks to Chris Cervello. I am John Schofield. Thanks for listening to Sing Second. We will see you next week. We are out.